A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast special presentation, mission brief, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's go. Mm. Anyway, gentlemen, before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's topic at hand and introducing our special guest on the other end of the tin can and string in this four-way international call. That's you know, right. Technical, no, three-way international call because you and me are here, right here, Eddie. But there's four people involved. There are. It's a four-way dance. Eddie, I don't know any moves. Just keep moving to the left. You'll be fine. Okay. But we are joined with Josh Rosengrant and our special mystery guest who is a returning 45-time guest. But, gentlemen, first up, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Go on Twitter and Instagram at... The Marvelists. Go on individual social media. I'm at Peter Melnick on Twitter and Instagram, at Peter Melnick, but better on TikTok. God knows why I'm on there. You can also find Eddie in a type of submarine, probably. Yellow. But also, you can find him on one social media platform. That's the IG at... Eddie, 9193. Or you can find him on the IG. Same difference. But IG? At. There we go. 9193. Yeah, because I I always feel bad. I'm like, oh, no, I stole Eddie's at. You can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, what have you. We're there. Google us. Google the Marvelous. Google the Marvelous. Don't gargle. Google. You can find us like... (laughs) And he wasn't too good at the gargling either, was he? You want to hear my Chewbacca impression? <laughs> but anyway. That's oh, better. A little oh. delayed there, Peter, but that's better. Thank you. Like I said, find this show on a wide variety of streaming platforms again. Also, iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. Broken Ice Cream Machines. McDonald's. Five star. Give us five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. And a gargling chewy. And a partridge and a pear tree. You can also find us on patreon.com slash the marvelists and when you do you can support the show for as little as three dollars a month to as much as well amounts that's a you know a completely new type of uh currency it's like all the way up there you know like really high up you know all that uh deutsch coin money you know all of it's going in you know to the deutsch exactly d-o-g-e coin to the doge no it's deutsch oh Okay. Or do- doji, it's it's like it's supposed to be doggy, but everyone calls it Deutsch. How much is dog- that? Doggy in the window. About arf, tree, arf. About, about tree fitty. Okay. Lotness month. Anyway, like I said, Patreon.com/slash The Marvelists, and you can get early access to episodes. You can get also on there our fantastic voyage, where we talk about all 102 plus issues, plus crossovers, plus annuals, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's iconic. Fantastic Four. Run. That too. But <laughs> to the door. I got to go to the bat. No. To the hills. Thank you, uh, Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. But also, like I said, you know, you can guest host the show if you don't suck. And also Patreon, or not Patreon, but belowthecollar.com slash. The Marvelists. And you get our dad joke immune t-shirt. Support the podcast. But. Yeah. There's a reason we have a guest host on this show today. His name is Jeremy J. Bagley. He is a loyal Patreon supporter and a close personal pal. He's joining myself, Eddie Wilson. Myself. And the legendary Josh Rosengrant on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But you can also hear Jeremy on previous episodes. He's been on a number of episodes, and we thought it was fitting to bring my favorite Captain America into our Captain America. I'm sorry to break it to Eddie, but, you know. There are several caps, as we know. Yes, there are, especially on bottle tops. You can go. The ones uncapped. The ones that are capped still. Yes. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen, Jeremy, how are you? 
Hello, I'm calling tonight to talk to you about your extended warranty on your 1993 Ford Escort. He deserves it, too. Too bad he doesn't have a car. And in regards to this episode, gentlemen, this episode was called what, Eddie? It was and is One World, One People. One love. It wasn't a sing-along. You sure? I am positive. One heart. I am grouped. I am not negative. I'm not a neutral. How you fucking doing? <laughs> Man, you've been waiting to drop that one, haven't you? All Falcon Day. Nice. Gentlemen, this is the finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or now it is technically known as Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Wow, that's the episode. What are you doing here? Well, yeah. Spoiler. Okay. Credits. As the Flag Smashers escalate their efforts, Sam and Bucky take action. I like this episode quite a bit, and I would say, first off, we're getting into this episode with Rock'em Sock'em action, and I had had a conversation on a, you know, I had a conversation over the weekend with a friend, hadn't seen her in a while, and one of the things we both discussed was in regards to Marvel's action sequences, and we also, all th- uh, four of us had discussed off mic right before we started recording in regards to... The difference between this and WandaVision and what made WandaVision so uniquely different in the grand scheme of things in the Marvel Universe, yes, there were action scenes from time to time, but WandaVision was more of a psychological kind of show. You know, you're learning of the character development and all that good stuff, and it makes it a much more interesting watch. Whereas, this is a lot of punch, kick, punch, kick. Punch, Oof, kick. Bounce. It's all in the mind. If Ow. you want to test me, I'll do it. Anyway, sorry, a little rap of the rapper. But in regards to a lot of that, I'm fine with the action scenes. But to be honest, those are the moments as I'm watching, I just turn my brain off and really don't pay much attention. Maybe, you know, one or two little things, like a certain move I notice that catches my eye. But otherwise, I realize this, this is the kind of show that you don't want to, you know, really have much character development but it is. It should be one of those shows because this is one of them that really got me excited to see more of these characters, more development in the realm of Sam Wilson, in the realm of James Buchanan Barnes, in the way of Sharon Carter, etc., etc. It made you want to care about these characters. And to be completely honest, it also really bummed me out seeing characters, you know, they get a second chance to do more stuff and they really didn't get much of a development. You have Bar- or you have Baron Zemo get a lot more development, a lot more fleshed out. And by the way, I want to do a retraction from last week's episode in regards to my prediction of what could be with Baron Zemo. I don't think it's going to be in regards to another series because as we, a friend and I had discussed, it will be Baron Zemo is the villain of Black Panther 2. We're calling it now. Ooh. That makes more sense because mm-hmm. where is he going to be? Wakanda. After the raft. Yeah. So I think, well, he's on the way to uh, Wakanda, I believe. They took him back. And he's going to, yeah, he's going to be on the raft, whatever. But mm-hmm. with this show, we have a lot more character development. And one character, like I said, kind of broke my heart to see that they were just, oh, we're going to bring this guy back and then kill him. Batrock the Leaper is dead in the show now. I'm like, well, shit. You bro- what, what was the point of bringing him back if he's just going to be there for one, two, three, and then bang? Well, clearly he wasn't. French, because even though he does speak it, he would have given up like three movies ago. That is very, that is very true. <laughs> Wasn't he more? You know, when we first saw, of course, um, the Winter Soldier, w- was Algerian a possible background for him? I don't know. <laughs> Just one that jumped came out at me. I don't know. What did you sense anything different there, uh, Jeremy? Maybe uh, he's from Belgium. Like the waffles? Why not? They're delicious. Brussels, he seems to sprout up everywhere. <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, they're really the Brussels sprouts are really good, by the way, with feta cheese and lemon juice. Sure. Give it a try. It's really good. Mm. Especially, especially when you get them with the cracked pepper, the steamable ones. They're really good. Nope. You don't like Brussels sprouts? No, not really. They don't like me either. Give give them. Well, okay, fart boy, but go give them a try. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Oh, Eddie, we you know we connected the uh, dots. Yeah, just don't air it out, okay? <laughs> Whew, little golf clap. But 
Josh, what did you think? I thought it was good, except there's just one thing. One major thing is that while we've been talking about it over the course of these episodes, almost everything that we've predicted has come true, and I kind of don't care for that. It, it, it was too predictable, in my opinion. I'm going to disagree with that, because the idea of saying, hey, oh no, it didn't meet my expectations, therefore it's bad, that really doesn't matter. You look at WandaVision, you know, where every single goddamn week... Is John Krasinski going to show up? I hope John Krasinski shows up. Is Magneto going to show up? Is Magneto going to show up? No, he didn't show up. Jesus. Or my other favorite. What else was there? There was Magneto. There was uh, the uh, Krasinski as Reed Richards. What else was there, Eddie? Mephisto? Mephi- oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. None of those things happened, and it was an unpredictable show, and people were fine with Like, Well, people complained about that, that it was a lack of predictability. Whereas we have a quote-unquote predictable show, which that's fine. What do you people want? I know. <laughs> but really, <laughs> Josh, comment. I, I don't know. I felt like it, for that final episode, there needed to be a little bit more of a surprise. I, I, we kind of expected the power broker to be Carter. All along. Fine, but then Josh picked, but you pick it up from there, and at the very end credit scene. It was Sharon C. all along. But she's getting a full pardon, and then she's on the phone with, I don't know, do we know who is going to set up the uh, buyers now because they're going to be able to do anything they want with the government behind them, kind of thing? I'm calling it. You might have a partner? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be AOL Instant Messenger. I think it's going to be AIM. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Hmm, in fact, yes. Jeremy, what you, yeah, see, Jeremy agrees too. Uh, if we're talking about this as a whole series and we're going to get into the details of this particular episode a little bit later, I will say this. One of the things that I like about individual comic books and individual comic book movies, even though they exist inside of a larger universe, one of the things that makes them quote-unquote good to me is if the story's self-contained. So if I can watch episode one, and episode six, and even though I know the backgrounds of the characters, and even though I know something else is going to happen in the future, I can still sit there and watch six hours of something that was enjoyable. And so whether it had connections that I thought might happen or not, or people didn't show up that I was hoping that would, this is a nice little self-contained story of transformation, of going from being kind of two guys to have a story to tell that are basically almost thought of as sidekicks, and now have kind of elevated a little bit, and I think could be major players in the MCU going forward. Well, we say major players. Well, it was just confirmed today that Captain America 4 is in the works now with Anthony Mackie in the lead, and it will be developed by the Falcon and Winter Soldier showrunners. So... Stay tuned, true believers. Nuff said, Excelsior, and other catchphrases, khaki pants, and safari. You're halfway to Gilbert Gottfried with that. No, watch it. (laughs) I wanted to move away from the microphone and do my Gilbert impression, but now I'm not going to do it. Instead, I'm going to do my Jesse Ventura impression, which I don't know if you know. There has been a lot of conspiracies going on in the Marvel Universe. But you know what's the biggest conspiracy, Eddie? I'm looking at it. What? I don't know. (laughs) Well, the biggest conspiracy is... uh, I don't know. I couldn't finish the rest of the bit. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. You sounded like Rich Little taking a shit. (laughs) Oh, so a shittle. It's a new currency wow. in the world. Of- the Man, I'm so using the car crash sound from any time I make a joke now. Taste the rainbow indeed. Mm-hmm. Shall we get to the beginning now? There were punches and kicks. What else was there to say? <laughs> Everybody was kung fu fighting. Well, we pick up where part of it left off, where there was a oh, lockdown, left hook. And, the, and the room was all red, and, and Bucky's on scene. And, and Wait, did you say Red Room? Coming red- soon by Ed Pesker of Cartoonist Kayfabe. Okay, fine. Anyone who didn't watch this episode and is listening to us talk about it is going to think this one was directed by Quentin Tarantino. Why, there's feet? (laughs) 
I don't know. I think we're <laughs> we're we're kind of safe from that assumption, Jeremy. What, the feet but part? yeah, I don't know. I I like oh, the shape shifting no, Sharon no. in the beginning there. Mm. I would say. Again, I was completely fine with the opening fight scene and all that stuff, but to be honest, it you know, it all just blends in after a little while, you know? The fight choreography is great. That's what I love about these things. But again, character development. Give me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more meat on the bone in regards to making these characters something of importance to me, you know? Like the idea of being able to, quite frankly, give a shit about them. A shit'll even. I think that whole uh, opening fight sequence was, to use a wrestling term, a vignette, just to kind of uh, display that new, uh, you know, like a big old splash panel for that new Captain America costume. So That's even right. if it was just kind of filler, it was kind of fun, and I, yes. I like the way they filmed it, and the entrance was cool. So Well, let's talk you know, about the, the costume. wasn't so hot, but uh, I like the entrance. Let's talk about the costume. So Jeremy and myself, we were actually talking about, oh no, uh, me and Jason Ayers were talking about it earlier today. And one of the things is, this is we a costume. Wait, what? We look alike. It's true. You know, the J's, double J. Did you Three yeah. J's and a Peter and an Eddie here. Now, I'm not sure what, if I change my middle name is John. Maybe I should be that for this episode. Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. I don't Thank know if you, you know this, but this is I a big coincidence. So. I can count past three. This is a big coincidence. His name is my name too. Yeah, that's my name too. Oh. And okay, when okay. people go to town, they always scream and shout. Oh, I just got up a little. I can uh, reach in the microphone. They always... Anyway, the joke died a while ago. But in regards to the, the costume, costume. The costume, I was talking to Jason Ayers about this. It reminds me of the fact it's very comic accurate. And it got me thinking. This might be the first time we've had a quote-unquote comic accurate costume. And the costume came out around 2015, 2016, give or take, in that time range. I have a weird feeling that this costume was done on purpose in the comics as something that would translate over into the MCU because they already designed the MCU costume, so they're like, yeah, here, this is what it's going to be, this is what it's going to look like when it appears on screen. Good enough. Mm-hmm. Because almost it is almost a seamless transition from the page to the screen, and I like that. I really like how it looks. And, you know, in recent days, there's been a lot of memes in regards to how the MCU designs costumes. And it's basically take the comic book version and add, uh, like, multi-layered leather to it. That's the costume. And that's kind of like what modern comic book movie costumes are. It's just layered leather. You know? Almost as if you were wearing some of that at some point in your career. But I agree. And on that note, Walker transformation to the U.S. agent costume. Another, yeah, that I got a kick out of. And although it it reminded me of just the simplicity of, hey, let's just say the name, shoehorn it in, right when, uh, what's her name, Uh, Elaine from Seinfeld, Julia Louis Dreyfus responds with, U.S. agent. And like I literally said it out loud right before she said, it. "I'm like this is what she's going to say," and it was that level of predictability, which, to be honest, I'm fine with. Yeah. But I I love the line of it's literally the same costume, just black, <laughs> and yeah, that's what it is. And I'm kind of excited to see what this could mean for the U.S. Agent character because if you read the comics, U.S. Agent is a flawed character, but he's a good guy for the most part. I think this showed some redemption. Yeah, that's on what, his part. You yeah. know, the fighting that he did this time around. I mean, yes, you could saw see in his face how he was kind of fighting his serum reaction type stuff, whether he should be saving the van versus going after one of the super soldiers. He does the right thing. Good movie. So you kind of go along with and support him, I think, in this at the end. And even though, you know, we had seen him stripped of all his rights and privileges and honors and medals and everything like that now under you know Val don't call me that is she above this this government now that uh, he's going to be able to operate we don't know that for sure but it looks like he's going to have a new um sort of life as US agent I never understood why he's even able to continue to be Captain America after what he did or some version mm. of Captain America it's still the kind of the same exact suit and everything but he's not Captain America anymore 
It's it's one of those. It's a semantics kind of thing. You know, it's like you see the guy, you see him in the costume. He is and he isn't. You know, again, we'll go with the line that you like from Iron Man three. He's here, but he's not here. It's complicated. So it's one of those kind of things where you have that element of the two characters. It's it's a confliction in regards to how we want to interpret this character. Do we want him to be a good guy? Do we want him to be a bad guy? Hell if I know. Let's have him be a tweener. Let's have him be a guy between good and evil and just do his own thing. And I would say, because, you know, in recent memory, a lot of rumor and innuendo, Marvel wants to do, Marvel Studios wants to do a Thunderbolts movie. Who would be the perfect person to lead a group of the Thunderbolts? U.S. agent. Mm. This is why. They're, again... They are planting so many damn seeds in this show alone, by the way. <laughs> we have, we're planting seeds into what the old school Marvel world was prior to Iron Man. When you have characters like Isaiah Bradley, who, by the way, I will admit, I teared up at that ending with him because of the fact of how important his contributions to the world were and how he was looked down upon and cast aside. I loved that scene because you feel for him. You feel for what he is as a person with all of his problems, all of his hardships. And he got like he eventually got his redemption. I was not gonna I was not sure. The way they had filmed this sequence out when they went into the museum, I was not sure what Isaiah's reaction was gonna be for a long time. I knew what I knew it was gonna be like, oh my God. I like when you see him entering the museum, you're like, you kind of get the vibe of, oh, he's gonna be like they're gonna either acknowledge his past as the uh, the soldier, mm. or whatever. And I liked that decision. I liked that idea of putting that in there, letting people know his importance and his role in U.S. history in the Marvel Universe. And again, going back over, his grandson. Y'all know who his grandson is, right? Who his grandson becomes. Or becomes more than likely, yes. He becomes Patriot, a member of the Young Avengers. And like I said... I love this with these movies, with these shows, the whole planting seeds, getting things ready for what the future could bring. And what I really enjoy is we have Cassie Lang, who will be in The Young Avengers. We have the possibility very soon of America Chavez coming into Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness. We have, who else? Uh, Wiccan and Speed. They're going to be showing up in... Young Avengers, if that becomes... Like, honestly, there are so many different things that they... Again, they I keep using this phrase because it's the truth. They're planting the seeds for the future of the Marvel Universe so it can go another 20 years. Think about it. This might be, if this happens, the longest-running cinematic franchise next to Star Wars. That's impressive. With all the continuity, with all the material they have going backwards and forwards so I'm excited to see what this could lead to yep. Jeremy uh, well where do we uh, interject here uh, let's just go backwards a little bit I thought the, mm-hmm. the thing with Sam's costume was cool I like the fact that it was uh, Wakandan in nature I like the fact that the wings are kind of nanotech like uh some of the later Mark versions of the Iron Man costume. Yeah. Um, I liked that it was built in Wakanda because way back in 1974 in Captain America number 170, uh, those cool wings that uh, Sam has for about 20 to 30 years were actually led designed by uh, T'Challa. So that's a cool little call back to history. Um, as far as the U.S. agent goes, eh, I'm going to poop all over him like everybody else on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm not really impressed, but Julia Louis-Dreyfus, if you're listening, I will be the Gary to your Selena anytime. I will carry bags for you anywhere. She's awesome, so adding her to any franchise is, is a great move. I had said it when she showed up. I was shocked she was in this because I completely forgot that she's going to be or was going to be in Black Widow, and now she's appearing in here. So who knows what this could lead to? But I like the fact that she is in this, you know? I agree. Yeah, I think she's got an opportunity, and she has the gravitas to kind of be the, uh, the 
reverse or the counter Nick Fury where she's kind of recruiting the, the bad guy team. So it definitely plays into the, uh, the Thunderbolts kind of, uh, you know, hopefully they maybe name it something different or come up with something cooler for a bad guy team name. But, uh, you know, I think there's an opportunity there for her to be that kind of juxtaposition to uh, Nick Fury. So real quick, uh, before I inter- er, uh, segue over to uh, Josh's thoughts on the costume, I just was scrolling through the Marvel Studios subreddit on Reddit, and I just saw this was posted seven hours ago. Apparently, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is going to be happening on Disney Plus in oh. the very near future. And somebody tweeted about it. And somebody who knows a lot about holiday specials and about bad holiday specials and being a Jedi... Mark Hamill. So there is a big possibility we might finally be getting Mark Hamill entering the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. That's a big one, because he supposedly a lot of people want to see him play the gardener. Whoa, I could see that. Absolutely. The what? The gardener. gardener? Yes. Because there's the collector, there is um, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Goldblum's character. Yeah, they're the... uh, Grandmaster. Grandmaster, and then the gardener. And they're all having to do with the cosmic elements of the Marvel Universe. And as a matter of fact, if you read... Aren't they the elders of the... Wait, say it again? Aren't they the elders of the universe or something? Yes. And, you know, in regards to uh, the gardener in the comics, if you read the uh, Jerry Dugan run of Guardians of the Galaxy, they have him designed essentially looking like Luke Skywalker at the end of The Force Awakens and in The Last Jedi with, you know, the long scraggly beard, the long hair. He looks just like that, so... Who knows? I think, you know, they've been they've been teasing that idea of Hamill being involved in a Guardians project for quite a while now. But anyway, Josh, over to you. What did you think of Falcon's costume? The, the costume? Yes. Oh, here's here's my thing is that in terms of actually wearing it, doesn't it look like it would like be too heavy to wear or probably uncomfortable? I mean, let's be honest. You know, this is the Marvel Universe where you look at a character like Cable running around carrying you know, 15-pound, you know, or no, 45-pound uh, shoulder pads. You got them, you know, okay. carrying ammo and guns and, you know, bazookas and cannons, literal, you know, uh, Civil War cannons on them. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past him at this point. Yeah. And chains, don't that forget At least you get chains. the return of Red Wing, so there's that. You mentioned yeah. Red Wing. Mm-hmm. Red Wing was a lot more useful in that one fight scene than he ever was in his entire time in the Marvel Universe so far. Got an upgrade, yeah. I love that upgrade. I think it's fantastic that they're using more of the character because, and it is a character. It's a robot, but it's a character. Yes, it is. And the idea of Red Wing being much more prevalent, that's going to be great. And I guarantee because Red Wing has always been just put on the back burner in favor of other elements of the character of the Falcon, such as having wings and wearing goggles and... That's all Falcon was at one point. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It was great that within the first five minutes, we got to see what was in the case from Wakanda. Marcellus and Wallace's soul. Yeah. suit of cap armor that, you know, combined cap and Falcon together. Of course, it could magnetically adhere to his back, Red Wing included. And you needed, we needed to hear, and of course, the character himself needed to say, I'm Captain America. He has come full circle I now. I love that. I to, love that. To that. that. Um, of course, the the funny part of it being that the the one guy saying, "I thought he was on the moon." I that was a I love that that was a callback to the first episode, and it adds to you know the whole conspiracy theory element of the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another thing too, it does go back. I talked to Peter off off mic about this too, but my wife Nancy Ann has been watching along with me these episodes, and she had a parallel kind of a thought in terms of why Sam should get the shield. If you go back to Captain America, the first Avenger, and the conversation that Erskine has to Steve Rogers before he undergoes the serum procedure, he says, you're a good man. And with good becomes better. Bad becomes worse. Well, fast forward to Avengers Endgame, and the elder Steve Rogers is saying to Sam, you're a good man. And there's the parallel. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily maybe play out that way in this last episode, but it's got the indications, the markers for that needing or having to take place. Good point. One thing about that costume, though, real quick, uh, 
the red lenses have got to go because from the <laughs> neck up, it looks like he's doing Elton John cosplay. Huh. <laughs> it just it doesn't translate very well to the screen. It look it just I don't. No, from my it. point of view, I don't like it. You know, no we, pun intended. I'm yeah, leaving we, the studio right now. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. We could tweak that. Yes, I they could tweak that. I I agree. I think overall, again, I love that this costume is so damn comic accurate because, you know, I. I've been reading some of the uh, different stuff from that era, and it again, it is a perfect representation of what his costume looks like. I'm going to show to Eddie in a moment on my, you know, my iPad, but what it looks like if it'll load. But you do get to see, especially towards the end of this episode, you know, you, you're you got more, you have more screen time on this costume and the features and what is where and everything when Sam is. Uh, the news report, it's going live, and he's talking to the senator making this speech. The costume is a character in its own right. Let's be honest. It is its own character. It has its own introduction. It has its own arc. There's a lot of things about that costume that makes it its own thing, just like the Iron Man costumes were their own character. And I would say, with this, you have a costume that, again, just it knocks it out of the park. And I feel... Like, that's going to be, like, the biggest talking point of this episode, the costume itself. And, you know, I'm showing Eddie right now the costume. That looks pretty damn much like that costume. Yeah, it's it's pretty much there, exactly, too. Not, but you're, you're, you're saying how the costume is its own entity, so, of course, now I'm thinking of, well, the Iron Man suits, when they're not occupied, are definitely, they stand alone, that kind of thing. But yeah. unless you're putting it on a mannequin, the Captain America new costume from Sam is like, the, and then I'm thinking, wait a minute, Stanley cameo in a Captain America movie coming into the museum. Oh, man, I am so fired. By the way, I've been noticing certain things in regards to the uh, museum in this series. Somebody pointed out there is a scene in First Avenger, Captain America, the First Avenger, where he is using a taxi cab door as a shield. Yeah. And if you look in the background of the museum, there is a shot of Captain America holding that car door as a shield, a black and white photograph. But here's the thing about it. When you're seeing uh, Cap's back turned to the camera and he's holding the thing, you see at the same exact moment someone taking a picture. That person's picture is hanging up in the museum. <laughs> this is that level of intrinsic detail that hardcore nerds are going to notice. They're the ones that are just repeatedly watching, repeatedly pausing, yeah. and noticing these little nuanced details. And I like that. I like that a lot of these people are doing the, the hard work for us in regards to noticing these Easter eggs. I'm going to have to join those ranks and go back. <laughs> but there's, again, there's just so much in this, and it's it's definitely a really good thing. Josh? I love continuity. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be like, oh, oh, my God, they, they're bringing that back. I just noticed that. And, you know, there's there's just a lot of discussion in regards to the overall episode and just... Somebody in the uh, Reddit comments goes with, "Good to see that the Wakandans brought back a better Red Wing." Okay, that's that's fine too. And before it, we before we move on past that though, when you know, of course, we have the reveal of this new costume, Sam, coming on in into the scene, and that uh, Batroc is saying, "You cost me a lot of money," and then he speaks to him in French. I didn't realize that you know how many languages Sam speaks because I assume that he understood that the robes don't make the monk. That was a very, and it was a quick subtitle, by the way. I had to go back and rewatch that because I couldn't read it fast enough. I'm buying you hooked on phonics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Island. I love that commercial so much. Why would you think it's Island, kid? That kid's a dingling. Oh my god. Josh, comment. Mm. I don't think hook on phonics really works. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Jeremy. I think that costume lends itself to some space adventures. I could see a future movie where uh, Sam joins Sword, and they call it uh, Victoria Hand Across America. Hmm. That's the inquisitive. Mm. Mm. That's that's not bad. Mm. Not bad at all. Mm. I do also mm. like. I wanted to note how you know all the workout sequences that we saw Sam doing in Episode Five come full circle into fruition here in the costume and how he is able to, you know, execute them. And he does, he's looking pretty buff there. Episode stuff. five, The Empire Strikes Back? No, no. Jeez. Louise Simonson. Oh, you finished my sandwiches for me, Eddie. Uh, Carly time now, who says to her cohorts about killing the hostages and the group is now unsure about her motives. I think they're questioning 
where they're really going here. Right. So it's a little uh, change of attitude, maybe position, if you will, or, yeah. Well, the line from Carly about buying the bullshit, first off, Every time I hear swear words on Disney Plus, it kind of catches me off guard ever so slightly because I'm like, wow, the mouse is allowing that. <laughs> but, yeah. The point of that story is I like stories. We know that. The uh, the Sam uh, mid-air chopper rescue was a cool scene. I don't know that we've seen too many of those you know, like that. Have you seen many helicopters, Eddie? True Lies. Oh, good movie. The bridge is out! <laughs> <laughs> Imagine him gargling. He might get up. Okay, better understanding than, than Chewy, but I'm not sure. But again, we, we're going we're going to these different fight sequences, whether it's Sam doing the midair chopper rescue. We've got Bucky. We've got Carly and Walker versus the super soldiers. And uh, and Sam, uh, what was that? The text message on the phone saying to put in your earbuds, and a little birdie told me you know how to fly a helicopter. Cool sequence there as well, I believe. I believe I can fly. No. You and R. Kelly, I guess, right? I don't want to be associated with that man. That's the Black Falcon. No, that's Captain America. I did love that scene. And just like the level of the the older man getting so jazzed about it, just like really, (laughs) he was really happy to see it. And you know what? I don't blame him because like in that moment, I'll be honest, the moment I saw the debut of the new costume, since this is a PG-13 show and we're allowed one, I audibly yelled, oh, and I was, like, really ecstatic to see that costume because, let me tell you, that was the big reveal for me where I go, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love – there is a moment in a lot of this – I'll wear my subjective fanboy hat, and then I'll wear my hat of being, like, this is dope, and I'm really loving the hell out of this. Like, just having fun and being happy watching this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And – That's a great point. I watched this last night, well, this morning at like 3.30 with four other friends. We're all on the uh, a conference call. And there's so many times where we unmuted and we're just like, oh, and then dropped an expletive. Yeah. Um, you robbed me of using the F word on this one time. Um, but well, well, you know what, Jeremy? You can use it. I'll, I'll barnyard edit myself. Double points for that's, that, Jeremy. That's from me and me alone. That's but that's the whole point of this, right? Is that this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. We don't have to dissect it, you know, and uh, I mean, that's what we're going to do here. But it doesn't all have to be under a microscope. Sometimes it's just okay whether you're 14 or you're 84 to just love something. And I think that's what's cool. Is, it, is this Shakespeare? No. But sometimes, and Marvel does it as well as anybody, it's just fun. And if you're going to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch a show, it it better be fun. Just think, though, there's so many people for the next seven weeks that are going to be, like, not used to, you know, having to wake up for so so early to do so. Because, like, people like Marvel writer Dan Slott, he had his brain trained to wake up every Friday at a certain point. Like, well, time to watch WandaVision. Well, time to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now he's going to be going seven weeks of, I guess I got to go to the bathroom. I guess I got to go to the bathroom. It's going to be that. It's going to be a lot of just elements of... I'm wondering when... So the next show is going to be Loki, and I believe it is What If after, correct? Is What If going to... What If is an animated series? Will it have the same effect for people as we are having right now with Loki, with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision? Will we have that, or are we going to dismiss it because it's a cartoon no, we don't know. It's a different approach, and that's yeah. what the beauty of it's going to be, I think. But here's the thing. I knew so many people that were gung-ho watching The Mandalorian, and then that series ended, and then the next thing that people were able to watch was the season seven of Star Wars The Clone Wars that had dropped on Disney+. And quite frankly, no one gave a shit. Well, look at the anticipated what it's going to look like, the what-if series, but go back to Spider-Man into the multiverse, into the Spider-Verse. Right. How how hugely well-received that was. So It was hugely received, but it didn't... Like, it, it got a lot of money for what it was, but it did not... It's It was still, like, low-ranking compared to, like, everything else that was going on at the time. It was dismissed... Like, it bothers me that it was dismissed because it was just a cartoon, you know? Oh, okay. I think that more has to do with 
Star Wars, right? So Marvel's got a great track record right now with everything that they do. And Star Wars, up until kind of The Mandalorian, hadn't had anything really kick-ass, right? Which hardcore fans and just lay people uh, really liked. And so I think people give What If the benefit of the doubt. And what if they don't? Mm. There you go. We'll have lesser downloads for those episodes. That could be. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, I am excited for What If, but compared to the, the show that I'm most excited for out of this year's slate now, Hawkeye. I'm genuinely excited for Hawkeye, and I cannot wait for that show to come out because I'm a Hawkeye guy. So I'll give it a shot. I think that would. I think it's going to be a really, really great shoe too. Because I think throughout Wait, the did course, did you say shoe? Shoe. Thank really you, Ed Sullivan. Topo Gijo. Really big shoe. Yes, I was trying to get words out faster than I could think. Process. <laughs> this character throughout the movies has, I think, come out as a fan favorite. So, I think it can be nothing but good. Which character? Hawkeye. Okay, I thought you were talking about still with you know Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, we're gonna oh, we're, we're getting back to that though. Yeah. Take it back. Because now Carly has been shot by Sharon, who's been revealed to be the power broker. And again, you know, I will go in line with Josh's remark of, oh, I predicted that. I did too, but there was also the part of me that wanted the power broker to be a group of people. Or, you know, that fan theory that had recently come out, Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin. But again, to quote the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. Yes, that's right. But if you try, sometimes you get what you need, as the lyric goes. I know. Available now on Disney+. Plus. I like the news reporter here saying, when did the government make you Captain America? Or somebody's calling you Captain Falcon. I love, love, as a Nintendo fan, the line of, are you Captain Falcon? I wanted him just to do a Falcon punch just right in that moment. Falcon punch! (laughs) But it didn't happen. But I, I would say overall... The you know the little the little things like that because let's be honest Captain Falcon has been a recurring joke with the character for a number of years since yeah. you know the Sam Wilson becomes Captain America story and then we move of course to the the speech where Falcon Captain America Sam is saying how complicated the situation is Senator and a common struggle and it's like okay well this is the set this is what are we going to be in for now um, and throwing things like characters ranging from an insane god to a uh, troubled teenager and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it kind of gets heavy yeah. in, in that respect. Jeremy, you want to highlight on that? I think one of the things that's a nice underlying theme that doesn't get talked about a lot with both of the shows that we've seen so far and that we're also going to see in Loki to a certain extent, although not maybe necessarily on Earth, is that all of these shows are dealing with the fallout of what happens when some really determined giant purple dude snaps his finger and half of everybody disappears. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that we haven't really focused a lot on fans is that we've said, man, it would be really cool to have an entire series about what people did during the blip and how people reacted and how people came back. And we're seeing little snippets of that. You know, we're seeing how Wanda reacted to everything that happened in Endgame and Infinity War. The the flag smashers are a direct result of what happens when half the people on the planet disappear, and then they come back. And there was already inequity to begin with, and now you've got five years gone, and that all of those inequities that were already there that existed are now going to be further built upon by the fact that, all right, half of these people are now back after five years being gone. And I think that's one of the things that we haven't really talked about a lot, not just on this show, but as fans in general, is that's the underlying theme of all of these Disney Plus shows so far. Yeah, no, the I direct just... result of somebody snapping their finger and half of everybody everywhere going away. It just made me realize and think that, yeah, you know, the people that were gone, of course, obviously have to adjust to being back. But the people who were there throughout, now, yeah, they've got a serious amount of adjusting to go through, too. So we've all got to get along kind of thing. The idea of, you know, when they mention about somebody's living in your house and now, you know, they're back, the original people, someone's got to be homeless. And that's like such a sobering element of like, oh, my God, that is true. What's going to happen now? And there, you know, what how does this affect the puny mortals of the Marvel Universe as opposed to, you know, 
the Avengers who have Avengers Mansion. They don't have to worry about that. Or the Avengers Compound. The Guardians of the Galaxy don't have to worry about it because they're flying around in the Benatar. It doesn't mean a single thing. So... Uh, you know what, real quick, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the quote that Walker did, which was from Lincoln, I believe. I didn't write it down, but it started off with mercy being a better result than, than yeah, the rest of that quote. So I think that was a another little redeeming tidbit snippet in his character progression or development type of thing. And, of course, Sharon saying to Sam that the suit looks good on you. Yeah, you know, we were talking about the um, the results and the effects of the blip. You know, we haven't really talk about um, like what is happening in terms of their world of like the economies like uh how is things going is there inflation is there are they in a depression or recession because of all these things that are randomly happening is uh you're talking about homeless people has that went up i always think there'd be a lot more depressing things that they have not yet drawn like hobos like steve mckenzie josh oh how as you called him that one day Will live. Today is the five year or the uh, I think nine year anniversary of that. By the way, hooray! It's an inside joke between me and Josh that no one will get. Hooray! Yay! Yay! yay. Jeremy! Now, yay! Let's take you to the raft. <laughs> let's go to the raft in a short Baron Zemo scene, hearing the news report. They got rafted. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay, there we are. And then Julia Louis-Dreyfus and uh, Walker's wife in the same, uh, you know, courtroom that uh, Walker had gotten his his sentencing and so on. And here's the U.S. agent. And he said, well, it's in black or whatever. So, yeah, let's see where he's going to show up in the future. We just wanted you to see where his character wound up. And I do like that his his story is tied up. It's tied up, but it's not because it's still like a loose end where like, hey, we don't know what's going to happen with him, but... Stay tuned, true believers. Gilbert Godfrey here with the amazing Colossal Podcast. But what? I'm sorry, you just tuned into a different pr- transmission. I'm Gilbert Godfrey, joined with Frank Santo Padre. Good show, by the way. Highly recommend checking that show. Out. Um, if I can, go I to can. I as well tell the aristocrats. <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think Eddie would have the heart to hear that joke. Of the stamina at this point. Oh. No. Um, but another loose thread, and I guess it had to be addressed, but where do you go with it from here? I'm not sure. Bucky confronting his his pal, the father of the son that he murdered, that he said murdered by the Winter Soldier, which was him, and he didn't have a choice. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know to what, to what good. I know Sam had previously told Bucky that, yeah, you need to make amends, but are you doing it for the person you're making amends to or telling people or is it for yourself or tying into crossing it off the book that you you know gift wrap sort of to your therapist um i'm not sure how i felt about that that whole thing and then and then bucky walking by the tavern the bar there where he sees the girl and the old man and okay so maybe they'll be okay in their whatever quasi relationship together but he's he's just laid it out for the elderly asian man and where does that just okay that's what happened I don't think Bucky's story is over with yet because, no. as we've already alluded to, uh, you know, they did change the name of the series at the end of Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So his name is still that same one that goes along with what he was as this kind of programmed, you know, black ops killer. So I don't think his story's done yet. As a matter of fact, I think he's going to be slated for another buddy series with Thor, and they're going to call it Arm and Hammer. <gasps> Whoa! I did not see that coming, but I like it. Thank you, Quicksilver. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Well, again, we can readdress perhaps uh, Sam and Isaiah in their conversation, and of course Isaiah's grandson, and then going to the museum, and uh, just just well done all all around. Really, you know, he um, it, that end really got tied up very very well. I would say so. And and, all and a hug too. It's it's one of those moments where you know you hear the remark of uh, about Isaiah being always so serious, always this, always that. You know you can't have a good time, and that moment where he he is humbled by Sam's gesture of what he did for him. And again, 
it is that the fleshing out of those characters where in that moment he is considered vulnerable enough to let his emotions overcome him and show the expression of gratitude towards Sam. Again, little nuanced things like that. That's a great character development for his character, you know? And I would say I would love to see more of his backstory. I'm sorry, you know, I want to see a de-aged Isaiah Bradley in the the costume going off and doing his thing because that story should be told. I'm, you know, not showing anything was a little bit of a bummer for me. I would have liked to have seen a lot more other than him wearing his, you know, his army suit. Well, I think know, they could. Maybe, but there might that might be something for a future time. If, That's what I'm saying. If all, this, if all the planets are in alignment kind of thing. Otherwise, it's enough for us in our consciousnesses, our conscious eye, to know that this did happen, at least in this storyline, and there were others who did what they did in the service of their country with the serum, and it, it broadens, hopefully, your mind a little bit more right. on, on knowing that it wasn't just one person with the serum There's doing... an opportunity here for uh, a What If episode, right? Because you don't yeah. have to de-age anybody for voices. And uh, we could say what happened if Isaiah became Captain America. Yeah, Jeremy, exactly. You know I was going to say right at the beginning, you know, where's What If going to go? You have so many, I mean, how many different runs of What If had there been? Even just... Right. Just any anything you can you can do. This can go on at infinitum. What if Eddie Wilson joined the X Men? I would watch that. I don't know how many other people would, but I would watch it. Yeah, Eddie Wilson, what Yellow and Black Spandex crossover with DC, and they called it Agent Thirteen Reasons Guy Gardner can't take a punch. <laughs> Oof. Oof. And that uh, well actually skips us over almost to the end scene, but we had that uh, dock party. And uh, everybody's happy, everybody's good there. They're, they've kept the boat, Sam and his sister Sarah. The visual of Bucky with his arm and having people, you know, be hanging off of it was <laughs> one of those moments. It's like, again, little character details like that, I appreciated. Josh, what did you think overall in regards to not the predictability of the episode, but what it brought to the overall Marvel universe, what this show has brought to the table. I think more so than um, the show that we saw before, it was, it's more about moments than it is about dramatic reveals. And, and, and that, I think that's, that's the lasting legacy, I guess you might say of this series is that it's about the moments and it's about character development and people actually being people. I would say so, yeah, especially the relationship because with Sam and his family because we don't have that in any other Marvel movie. We don't see Sam interacting with, you know, we don't see a quote-unquote expansion of Sam Wilson's world until now, and I like that. It makes him more of a relatable character, and you have to have those relatable elements for him to build up who he is because you have Captain America built up immediately in the first film. You don't have that anywhere else. And when you see Captain America, Sam Wilson, delivering that speech at the end of this episode, like or towards the end of the episode, it gives it more of that emotional resonance that is needed for the character. To be able to have this character be someone of importance, someone of value, with his belief of what he believes in. And that element of family, that love and care that he has for his that also reflects with his fellow countrymen. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Well, I, I think that in the final scene, the end credit scene with Sharon Carter getting the full pardon, I was a little bit surprised and saying, wait, did we miss a little bit something here? Because we saw the Sharon Carter that we really didn't know or was building up in this series to, to be. And, you know, maybe the senator and the government were seeing how, you know, she stopped the head of the Flag Smashers, Carly, um, and restoring the Carter name in the annals of history. And, and I had a brief moment of National Treasure, the Nicolas Cage movie. What about uh, Nicolas you know. Cage? So, but, but I think it's like, oh, wait, I think we have to beware Sharon, you know, as Agent 13 yeah. or whatever. And 
I even had a an agent. I don't, know, I don't even know if this is a parallel of any way, shape, or form, but how in a what the Iron Man movie and uh, what's her face Pepper calling him calling Agent Coulson Phil and Tony saying I thought his first name was Agent and whether you move that to U.S. Agent Agent Carter Maxwell Smart I don't know, but here we are, and again not sure. Exactly, although the speculation that Peter had was aim for the buyers that Sharon is now calling and says we can, you know, get whatever we want here. So there's an underlying thread of where, where are we going with this? How does Sharon Carter sit uh, with with you, Jeremy? Wherever she wants. <laughs> no. Um, had to make I it weird. That, um <laughs> I like that there is some depth to her character that has been missing for a while. Uh, Emily Van Camp is not an actress who particularly emotes a lot, right? Um, and I'm not saying that she's a bad actress. She just does what she does. So I like to see a little bit of an edge to that character. And I think that her reaction to everything is kind of another theme to this show. Mm-hmm. And that is... How do you react when you've been the good soldier and your country throws you away or your country uses you as collateral damage or disavows everything that you've done? Because we saw it with Isaiah, who ended up being uh, an experiment, much in the vein of, uh, you know, the experiments that were done on the Tuskegee Airmen. And he, you know, was quite bitter about it. And so is she. And I think that we're starting to see patriots who have been burnt by government, right? Not by the people in their country, but by government. This is, uh, we just recently in March celebrated the 50th anniversary of Welcome Home Vietnam Veterans Day. And that's kind of very coincidental that it goes along with this, the idea that a country can turn its back on its warriors. And we've seen that with Sharon, and we saw this with Isaiah, people who were willing to give everything for the ideals that they think their country's about, and then they learn, you know, unfortunately, what government makes the country about sometimes. And so her reaction to this is, I think, reasonable. You know, we can call her a villain, but how many times can you put your life on the line for ideals, have them turned around and, and... kind of you be have your face spat in and you're just going to take it and i don't think that that's very many times for most people yeah no it's a it's a character that's still developing i think uh with with sharon and you're right her emotions are definitely held uh in check she's not outwardly emotive right you know you know what you know what she lets you what she wants you to know and she'll probably have your back also but you wouldn't want to necessarily turn your back on her in some cases as well I agree, and I think she's just having a natural reaction to kind of being betrayed over and over and over again. You know, she did what she thought she was was right um, and ended up being the right thing to do. And, you know, she kind of ended up as a person without a country. And, you know, maybe that's the theme of of that show is there's a lot of people out there without a country. Wait, she's going to be nomad? Wait a minute. Oh, jeez. Hold the phone. Okay. Sorry, you call me mid-yawn, but in all honesty, yeah. She could be. Mm. Like, realistically, she could be Nomad. That's why you you say that as a joke, but let's be honest. Nomad is a person without a country. Nomad is a character that goes their own way in regards to the grand scheme of things. That's not a bad prediction. Okay. Just saying. Mm-hmm. So, overall, for myself, this series, not a great start for the first episode, but... Everything else along the way, it's been must-see programming for myself. And, again, Marvel's really good at making me care about characters that I did not give one iota of a shit about. I would like to put this all together and watch it, you know, as a marathon. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, like, the funniest thing is I've been every week after I watch the episode, I download it onto my phone for an offline viewing just because I'm like, you know what? I I do want to watch this again. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping beyond hope that these series get a home video release or a bootleg on the internet. Oh. But in regards to a lot of this, you know, I want to see more of this in the Marvel Universe. I want to see me care about characters I don't care about. Like, for example, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, 
will have Kraglin, who was the guy who got uh, Yandu's uh, arrow, the Yaka arrow. The headpiece. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't give a shit about Kraglin. I'm going to be giving a shit about Kraglin. <laughs> yes. Like, you, like, I'm saying it now. I don't care. But when that movie comes out, it's going to be like, hell yeah, Kraglin. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. But it's going to be elements of me caring about these characters that I otherwise didn't care about. Learning how to whistle correctly with I that cu- arrow. <laughs> I cut my hair, and I told the barber, give me Bucky's hairstyle <laughs> after showing the picture. Okay? <laughs> so just a little thing about that. Yeah. It made me care about these characters, and it made me enjoy them more so than I ever did before. This show, more so than WandaVision, however, got me wanting to you know, to check out more of the Captain America-related material out there that I have not read. So I'm going through the Ed Brubaker run. I'm reading that stuff, and I'm looking forward to those Winter Soldier stories that he did on his own. I'm looking forward to reading the Sam Wilson Captain America stuff by Nick Spencer. There's a lot I'm looking forward to checking out on Marvel Unlimited, on Comixology, at my local comic shop, on all sorts of different places. And all new Captain America, I think that title was, right? But just there's so much that I'm able to check and look into, and I'm excited. What are your thoughts about this series? You say you want to watch this in one go-ahead? or I would what? like to continually watch it, sure. Like have uh, WandaVision to be one thing that would be a... Th- uh, you know, on a DVD or otherwise, that would be worth definitely a second or third viewing for sure. And of course, like a movie, you'll pick up more little pieces of things that you didn't notice right away. And uh, like you even said, with Captain America holding the taxi cab door as a shield, I'm having to go back and check that piece out too. Absolutely. And you would say, so, how would you compare this overall to what you've seen so far in the Marvel Universe? Would you say it's up there for you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely up there. And it, I really away didn't from have. Your- Away from your Captain America bias as you wear your Captain America uh, holiday sweatshirt in the middle of April. But <laughs> it is a nice sweatshirt, though. i got to give you that. And more. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, other than that, you know, quote-unquote bias towards the character, it is that re- enjoyable for you. Am I correct? Yeah. No question about it. I think it has a lot of the Winter Soldier movie elements in it. Yes. Especially with the activity that's happening at night. You know, a lot of that takes me back to... Uh, the initial encounter with Batroc on the ship at night and so on. Uh, it's got that dark feel to it right? that I enjoyed, just the, the way it was developing. And uh, I guess when it was first out, you know, maybe the word that came out for Winter Soldier was a, a movie of uh, espionage. Yeah, it was a thriller. And, and it got other people interested. It got my sister-in-law and her husband in Fort Lauderdale interested in that movie. So if she had to pick a Marvel movie, it's that one that she's seen repeatedly. Uh, because of the type of movie it was, not necessarily who the stars were in it and uh, that kind of thing. It's not a it's not a quote unquote cape shit movie. It's literally a movie that is a thriller, and it just coincidentally has superheroes in it. Yeah. And Jeremy, in regards to yourself, both you and I have talked over the past few weeks as this show's been going on, how much you enjoy the show. Yeah, uh, and I'm here in my Captain America banana hammock. Uh, though for me it's more of a plantain cot, but uh, yeah, I. <laughs> the, my favorite Christ, thing Jeremy, in that, all like... of the MCU is uh, is Winter Soldier, and right. to me this felt. I mean, obviously he's in the title, but this felt the most like that. It was uh, you know more of a you know street level fights. It was more espionage. It was more uh, you know after it was a breath of fresh air. Uh, in many ways, from what is potentially a multi-dimensional adventure with Wanda and a huge galactic time-traveling thing with Endgame, and this was just kind of, you know, street level or a little bit higher heroes being able to do their thing. So I had a great time with it, and like I said, if if I can get you know three of my friends to hang out at three o'clock in the morning to do something besides. Uh, well, I won't go into it. Sleep. Uh, that, oh, know, Eddie, 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 you're so fun. innocent. <laughs> I was going to say crochet doilies. That's fair. Yeah. So now both Eddie and Jeremy have mentioned their love of Captain America the Winter Soldier. Let's go over to legendary contrarian, the legendary Josh Rosengrant. Well, I think it, it was a great series. However, I wouldn't watch it 
immediately, like right now after we're done talking. Because because you'll just wait a few you've minutes and know watch. what's happening and that sort of thing. It's definitely right. one of those shows like WandaVision where maybe in a year I would love to rewatch again and revisit. And then you also get to see some things you maybe didn't notice before and then have a greater appreciation for the series as a whole. So you would say overall it was a good show, but it's not like an immediate like, golly gee, I really want to watch it again. Exactly. Yeah, no, and, I and I think it, it would be more fun for me, for myself, to watch it later on down the line when I would have a new appreciation for something for it. But the one thing, the biggest thing that stands out with the series is the introduction of brand new characters that you really get interested and pulled into so much that maybe I'll go buy a comic. Maybe I'll, I'll do some research about this new person. People that you would, uh, you have strong a strong connection to as well. So I, I echo that real quick because I think Josh has made a great point and I've seen it all over social media today. Like people who don't even like comics that are friends of mine, people who I am just acquaintances with are like pinging me in messenger or posting on their, their pages or their Instagram. Where do I get more of Sam as Captain America? And I think that's really an amazing thing, you know, because it's a fun story. And uh, so if that series did nothing but that, then they've built on that universe. You know, they've built on that fan base. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah, they've done their job correctly. So now I think that's going to put a bow on today's episode. First off, thank you so much to Jeremy Bagley for calling in on the show today. Hey, thanks for letting me get my shit in. And how can people get a hold of you on them, their social medias? They can't. I don't <laughs> want to talk to them, and I hope they have a great day. It's a banana hammock all the way. Wonderful. <laughs> a plantain crate. But <laughs> Josh, the legendary Josh Rosengrant, thank you again for putting up with our chicanery and bullshittery. We really appreciated you being the third man to our new world order. You're the Hulk Hogan. Oh. That was Randy Savage, Josh. Ah, close enough. It's all good. Eh, not really, brother. But says <laughs> the man of semi-imitation, rich little somebody, whoever wants well, to ta- be Gilbert Gottfried. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about he did a Randy Savage. Oh yeah, I know for my, Hulk, Hogan, Hulk Hogan, brother. brother. Don't jinx. You owe me a soda. Uh huh. I would like a Coke Zero, mm. or at the very least, a Mountain Dew Zero or a Pepsi Zero, because with a twist. All, all I want. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take you up and on a that. Lemon. All of That's a, what it is, Josh. Jesus. All of a twist. <laughs> Thank you. How about a squirt? <laughs> That's kinky. For the Marvelous, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Jay Jonah Jeremy Bagley. I'm Joshua Rosengren. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. Mm. <laughs>